Have you guys had Kathy Smucker's pretzels? Come on, they're great. <clears throat> Come on in, have a seat, talk after church. I'd like you to close your eyes for just a moment, if you would. No one's going to touch you, I promise. Well, I hope not anyways. Leave people alone. Just close your eyes. I want you to imagine with me a scene that isn't uncommon in this season of the year. Picture with me, you're driving down the road, perhaps from Warsaw. You're on your way from here over to uh, Wegmans and Geneseo, where you're wanting to get some groceries for Thanksgiving. You're thinking about the time you're going to have with your family and the fun of all of that gathering. And again, with your eyes closed, just picture it in your mind. You're driving down the road, and you can see up ahead, just like between you and Wyoming, you, you can see in the distance, you just come over the crest of a hill, and you see a car that seems to be slaloming down the uh, uh, roadway, just, just having a difficult time fishtailing all over the place. But as you get closer, you realize that there's a young man and a young woman in the car, and the young man is laughing because he's actually doing it on those icy roads on purpose. He's showing off for his girl. And then as you get a little bit closer, all of a sudden you can tell by his frantic movements and by the fear on his face that it's no longer a game. He's actually lost control of his car. And the fishtailing that you now see is him trying to regain control. Inside of you, something rises up. Like probably all of us, there's a little bit of fear. Maybe even a little bit of anger because his foolishness is now endangering lives. And all of your emotions rise to the top and you want to say something, but you know as a Christian you're not supposed to swear but you come up with some sort of Christian expletive. Just something to say. You're mad because now his stupidity is causing your life to be in danger. He's either going to crash into the car in front of you or he's going to crash into you. Now, all of that's gone on in your mind. Okay, you can open your eyes now. You've just kind of thought about it. Now, with that in mind, I want to read a scripture to you. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. Keep what just happened in mind, in your mind. 1 Peter 3.8 Finally, all of you, be of one mind, having compassion for one another, love as brothers, be tenderhearted, be courteous, not returning evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing, knowing that you were called to this, that you may inherit a blessing. Now, I know I've read that scripture before. Uh, I, I tend to try, don't always do it, but most every year I try to read through the entire Bible at least once. And I know I've read that scripture, but this time when I read the scripture, something stuck out to me that I hadn't noticed before. God says something directly that we are called to. Do you see what it is? You were called to this. What were you called to? You were called to. To bless. Now, we think of a calling as being something that's life-changing and life-directing. It's, 
It's kind of like when a teacher might say they have a calling. Their calling is to teach. Or a pastor might say they have a calling. Their calling is to pastor. But it actually takes over their life. It consumes their life. And it directs their life moving forward in whatever direction they feel called in. And God says to us, God says to you, to every single one of you sitting here, if you are a Christian today, if you are a believer, a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're just interested, you don't know yet whether you want to follow Him. You're just in that place of searching. God says to us, I have a calling for you. And that calling, as high as it is to be a teacher, as high as it is to be a pastor, that calling is to bless. To not revile, to not curse, but to bless. I wonder how many families would have atmosphere within that marriage change if husbands and wives actually learned how to bless one another rather than pick apart what they don't like about one another. Um, like you, I have things that I like a certain way. Any of you guys like me in that way? You, you, have, you want things in a certain... Like, how many of you put all of your clothes in a certain order on the hangers? Certain hangers for certain clothes in certain places in your closet. Because that's the way God made it. <laughs> your sweaters, you know the sweaters you wear? You divide them. Some are buttoned, you put the button ones there in certain order. The ones that zip a little bit up here, you put them. Those that are pullovers, they go on another shelf. You have an order. One of the things that I believe is just, it, it's part of the creative order, and I don't think you should mess with creative order. I think the toilet paper should go over the top. Thank you. Is, it, is that hard? It doesn't mean you put it under the bottom, and it doesn't mean you just stick the roll on top. You do it right. But I wonder, how many of our marriages might actually do better if we didn't get so picky about things and if we actually learned how to bless instead of finding what's wrong with our spouse? Jesus said another difficult thing in Matthew 5.44. He said this, But I say to you, Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good, sends rain on the just and on the unjust. And then he goes on in verse 46. He says, What credit is it to you if you only bless people who are nice to you? He's not saying you shouldn't bless people who you like. He's just saying, that's not like a high watermark. That's pretty easy to actually be nice to people who are nice to you. The real challenge, the way you find out whether you're going to actually walk this thing out, is how are you when people aren't nice to you? How do you comport yourself? How do you respond to situations when people are unkind? Do you bless or do you curse? Do you honor the fact that they're made in the image of God? Or do you want to destroy because they have not been nice to you? Um, this morning, I want to uh, talk to you about three things. Just three simple things. The first one's going to be very short. It's just a reminder. I want to talk to you about mission, mindset, and mine. Mission, mindset, mine. Okay? I'm going to talk to you about those three things in that order. Um, mission, very simply. He says, you have been called to this. This is what we have been looking at for these last six weeks, including today. We are called by God to bless 
and not to curse. Your mission and mine is to bless. And God says to us, and we saw this from the Old Testament, God says when you bless, you place His name upon them. And we looked at the fact that when you talk about a name, you're talking about the idea of God's authority, God's character, all the traits about God that are there, His ownership. Just like when you put your name upon a deed or upon the title of a car, God is expressing ownership of that person so that He's going to watch over them as surely as Pastor Jonathan just sang over us, His surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. God says, you're mine, and I'm going to express care for you. It's kind of like planting the flag on the moon. God says, this one's mine. You can't monkey with them. Um, when, how many of you guys remember Operation Desert Storm? Are any of you guys old enough for that? You guys, Yeah, some of you. Uh, I can remember, we were in Watertown, and uh, Watertown, of course, is uh, right at the base of Fort Drum. In fact, we actually lived. Uh, if you crossed the road you were on Fort Drum from where we lived. All the soldiers are coming back from Operation Desert Storm. And maybe you, you didn't see this. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But I'm just telling you. What happened is all the way from Fort Drum all the way to Watertown, which is about a 10-minute ride or so, 15-minute ride maybe, all the way, every house, every building, every tree, every store had a huge yellow ribbon attached to it. Kind of taken from the old song about tie yellow ribbon around, you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was our way of saying to them, we honor you. We celebrate you. We gladly receive you back home. You're one of us, and we thank you for your service to us and to our country. That ribbon placed literally upon buildings, actually done, was our way of symbolically blessing these people. And when you bless somebody, you are placing God's name upon them. You're saying, God, I want something higher for them. I want them to know the grace of your presence. Um, all of us have had different names placed upon us. Uh, you know, you, you have titles, you have labels that have been placed upon you, depending upon your background, what you've come through in life. Some, some names have been very hard. They have marked us and scarred us in ways that are difficult for us to handle. Other names actually called us up to something higher and let us know we were a part of the family. But the truth is, it's not just names that were placed on us. Some of us place names upon others. Um, we have a dear friend, Kara and I, have a dear friend that actually was, uh, uh, became a Christian under our ministry years ago up in Watertown. And I can remember one day, we were walking through Salmon Run Mall up in Watertown. It was like the first big mall up north of Syracuse. It was like huge for us. So we're walking through Salmon Run Mall with this guy who had gotten saved in our ministry. And this is no joke. We're walking down just talking when all of a sudden I heard him do this. And I'm thinking, what, you got a demon or something? What's going on? And I looked at him and he did it again. I said, what's going on? He said, every time I pass that hair salon, I growl because I hate them. They gave me a bad haircut. Everywhere I go, I tell everybody, don't go there. We do that kind of thing. When somebody does something we don't like, we place a name upon them, or we make sure others know what that name is. 
that they're no good. They're nobody to be trusted. According to the word of God, we are called not to curse. We are called to place the name of God upon them. And it's almost like you're taking a gift and you're giving it to them. It might be even undeserved in the sense that maybe they did hurt you. Maybe they did say something rough. But you're choosing instead to place a gift. And by the way, I have found again and again that it's more than a gift. Sometimes what you're offering to them is a tourniquet to stem the bleeding of insecurity they feel inside that causes them to lash out at you in the first place. But we are called with a mission. So that was number one. We are called to place the name of the Lord in blessing people. The second thing I said uh, is that we have a mindset. In mindset, I'm going to divide into two parts. Uh, the first part is the ability to simply receive blessing. The fact of the matter is, when it comes to this, most of us aren't all that good at receiving. We, we find it hard to simply... Re it's almost like we're embarrassed to admit that we have a need, that there's anything in us that might be increased or elevated by the words that somebody... We, we want to be sufficient in ourselves. I don't want to need anybody or anything. What you say just rolls off me like water off a duck's back. It doesn't matter. I want to suggest to you that the truth of the matter is we are given a mission to bless, but part of that mindset that comes with the mission is the ability first to receive blessing. Uh, one of the things that I have found um, over my years uh, of living is that most of us live far beneath the level of value that God has placed upon us. We live believing we are less than, not more than. We're not enough. We're not enough in our work situations for our bosses. We're not enough in our marriages. We're not enough in our parenting. We're not enough. And so somebody comes along and they bless us in the name of the Lord. But because we feel so insecure, because we don't feel enough, we don't receive it into our being. We might even let them say it to us, but it doesn't soak down in because the soil of our heart has become hard. And it's almost like the water just runs right off the top of it. Um, I believe that you are of so much value. It is predicated upon this concept. God thought you were of so much value that he actually gave his life for you. That's how much value you are. And that's not a point of pride on our part. That's a point of humble gratitude that God would love us so much that he would give his life for us. So here's my point under the first part of mindset receiving. How about we get to the point of simply being able to say, thank you so much. That meant a lot. That helped my soul. Just thank you. You don't have to excuse it away. Somebody comes up and they bless you and say, well, don't thank me, thank the Lord. No, you're the one who did it. Maybe God initiated it in you, but you did it. And they're wanting to bless you. Just say thank you. Just receive it as from the Lord. The, the, the issue here, though, is being able to receive it, knowing that until we've received the blessing, we can't give the blessing, which is the second part of mindset, which is the giving portion. And I, I've taken giving, just because of how my mind works, kind of like an outline is kind of how I think about things. I've taken this idea of giving, and I've divided it into three parts. 
First, Scripture, then affirmation, and then formulation or formulated. The idea is, these three ways are the ways most often that I see God enabling us to actually bless people. So the first is Scripture. Um, God, perhaps, you know, you're laying in bed at night and you're thinking about somebody praying through the list of people in the church, you know, doing different things, praying for folks who need it, like, you know, Karen and I do. And God cause you to stop for a moment, you think about someone, and all of a sudden the scripture pops into your mind. Something that you know, you believe in your heart, God might actually ask you to give to that person just to bless them in his name, to let them know that God was thinking about them and he wanted to place his word upon their lives. But there's a way to do it that matters. And this is kind of where I wanted to go today. There's a way to give blessing that I think actually helps it to be received. Um, it's kind of like um, saying to Josh, let's pick on Josh since he's sitting right here. You know, Josh, I got a word from God. So sit up straight, listen up. Now, I have to tell you, if he's like me, he would never think this way, by the way, because my mind is like a zoo. Um, when people do that to me, when people act like they're the fount of all knowledge, and I'm going to give you a word from God, I'll straighten up. Everything in me wants to say back to them because I really do want to hear lest God might actually use this person to speak to me. I want to hear it. But inside, I think with my mind, I don't say it out loud because that wouldn't be nice. And I want to be nice. Inside, I'm thinking, Sure, God used an ass, so I'm sure he can use you. <laughs> that word was in the Bible, by the way, so I can use it. It's okay. <laughs> All I'm suggesting is, if instead I go to Josh and I say, Josh, you know, I was just thinking about you uh, earlier today, and God gave me a verse that I just thought might be of an encouragement to you. So I'm just going to give it, and I, I honestly, in giving it, I am praying that God will actually bless you with this verse. And I give it to him. That's going to be far easier for him to receive than if I come from a position of superiority and arrogance and try to press him down with a verse. Try to straighten out his life. How we give something actually matters. The scripture says we ought to be easy to be entreated and provoke one another to love and good works. In other words, we're to relate to people in such a way that it makes it easier for them to receive what we have to say because of how we have comported ourselves in our lives. The second one, the first one was scripture. The second one is affirmative or affirmation would be another way of saying it. A word of encouragement. Um, this is kind of like, um, the way I think about this, this is you see something in somebody and recognizing the gift that is in them, you call that to the front. You, you put the spotlight upon what you see in them. It's, it, it might be something simple. Uh, you see something in them. Like, I'll pick on Laura Beth because she's right here. That's the problem with you. Sit up front, I'm going to pick on you. Laura Beth is right here. Now, how many of you would say that Laura Beth is a worshiper? You've watched, right? 
And it's more than just the fact that she comes to church and she raises her hand. You can tell by the Spirit of God, just by watching her, that she's connecting with God and she's giving Him her all. So you might see that and you just say to her, Lord, I just want to bless that worshiping heart that's in you because when you worship, whether you realize it or not, you help to create an atmosphere that makes it easier for all of us to worship and you actually create within us a desire to get closer to God. So you find something that is true. So I'm not talking about flattery, which is phony and artificial. I'm talking about something that's true. In fact, the idea of affirmation is to verify what is true. It's to call it out. To speak it out loud. And to be able to say, that has been a blessing to me, and in turn, I want to bless you back for what it is that I see in you. That, that's the recognition. So um, to kind of help me with this, Ed, would you come on up here for a second? I asked Ed ahead of time if he would help me, and his response was no. So I did it anyways. Come on up here. Um, I wanted to be able to bless somebody. So I, I thought about this ahead of time, thought what I wanted to say, and there, there are a couple of ways you can do this. So would you all just kind of watch for a second? Ed, would you close your eyes? I'd like to pray for you. This is a word of blessing that I felt specifically for Ed. Okay, as I was coming, hoping that I would be able to have this opportunity. So it's this. Again, this is me saying to Ed, I want to bless him in the name of the Lord. So this is the giving of a blessing. And it, it goes something like this. Ed, um, I really do thank God for the kind of man that you are. The kind of faithful, steady trustworthiness that's not only symbolized in your life, but I see it channeled through your life in your marriage, in your parenting, and how you handle your grandchildren. I appreciate the strong kind of man that you are and the meekness and humility that I see in you every time I'm with you. You really do seek to honor the Lord, and I see the passion with which you seek God's face. So, Ed, in the name of the Lord, I want to bless what God has already done in you and believe that he's going to cause that to explode into mushroom in ways beyond what you have ever even imagined. And that he will bring you into a broad, wide, open place full of his blessing, his kindness, his goodness, and his presence. I bless you in the name of the Lord. So, that's one way. The other way that we often do that, and I've seen those of you who are here, I've seen you do it. And I've done it. And I've done it in ignorance. I'm bringing our ignorance to the light. Here's another way that you can do it. You can say, Ed, uh, I have a word I'd like to say to you. I, I have a blessing I want to give. I don't want you to get a big head or anything now. Because, you know, God knows you're as human as the rest of us. I mean, come on, look at... I, I want to bless you, but I don't want you to think too highly of yourself, all right? The Scripture says you should think soberly, all right? So, uh, I, I want to bless you, but um, don't let this go to your head, all right? Okay. Now, I want to ask you, having predicated what I'm going to say overhead with that, do you think it's going to do a whole lot for him? It's almost like you're wanting to create a deficit before you put it in so there's no net gain. You want to push them down first before you lift them up. And I've watched people do this. I've watched people actually say, I know you're a sinner, no better than I am, but I just felt like I wanted to say this to you. Wow, that makes me feel great. 
But we do that. Thank you, Ed. I appreciate your help. I didn't even make you talk. All that happens when you do that is your own insecurity and yes, your own ignorance comes to the fore. The truth is, every single one of you in this room lives about three feet below the level that we should be living. We're looking up at the curb. We need encouragement. We need affirmation of the good things that God has done in us. And you know, sometimes when you affirm something in people, they're not even seeing it all themselves. And they need it to be called out. So that I've had people say things over me, and I'm thinking, are you talking to the right person? You can't mean me, because I know me. But the reality is, God knows me better than I know me. And sometimes, God will cause brothers and sisters in Christ, friends, connections, to actually call out something that they see that I don't even see in myself. And it does something inside of our souls. The third way under this is called formulated, or another way you could say it would be to be calculated. This is where it's not just that you see something, it's that you actually want to do something. You give thought to it ahead of time. You want to think ahead of time, what can I do to give a, a word of encouragement, a blessing? What can I do to give a gift? Um, for some of you, you, you guys have uh, the ability, and you, you're really good at this, which is why I love our church. You're good at finding ways to actually bless people in an area that they would like. So over and over again through the years, I have been amazed at how many people have brought me chocolate chip cookies. I don't know where you got the idea that that's like a good thing. I never said it. Did I? Maybe once, twice. But you found a way to bless me in a way that I would appreciate. Uh, I have here um, a little gift. I, I know you guys can't all see this, um, but this is a picture of Jesus kneeling, washing Peter's feet. I was a part of a uh, seminary program in Ashland, uh, Ohio, and a part of my job was to uh, coach or to mentor a team of men. There were like, I believe, six or seven in the group. And my job was over a period of about a two-year, two-and-a-half-year period, was to mentor them, to coach them. And when I got done wanting to give a gift for the service, this is what I got, and it says this, Chris Lanneville, Pastor of Excellence. Now, I got to tell you, I know I'm not excellent. I know that. You, you would have to be blind to not know that that's a far cry from reality. But I can also say this. My heart is to do better. My desire, my longing is to grow in what I do and to get better at it. But they thought about it at a time and said, what can we do giving you a gift that's actually going to bless you to recognize what we see, to actually call it forth, and they think about it, they have to order it ahead of time. And some of you guys do that. You, you think about it. I mean, Karen is amazing at this. I get done with Christmas on December 25th. Christmas is over once the gifts are opened. It's over. It's done. Karen starts on December 25th thinking about the next Christmas. And all year long, we're going out, and I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, we go out on Monday nights, we get groceries. I don't know how many of you guys knew that. Monday nights are grocery night. 
and we get an aide to come and sit with uh, my mother-in-law and watch her, and we go out for groceries and usually to eat. And invariably, Karen will say, we've got to stop at this store or that store. And I'm thinking, why do we have to stop at this store? We have everything we need. She's already thinking ahead of time about the grandchildren and what she's going to buy for them. She's formulating. She's calculating. She calculates how their size will be a year from now. I'm thinking, come on. I'm trying to remember their names. <laughs> Not really. It's thinking ahead of time about ways that you can bless people. It's not just seeing something and saying, I want to say to you, I saw this in you. I, I bless you in the name of the Lord for that good. That's good. But it's being able to think ahead of time. What can I do that would be a real blessing to this person? That's mission, mindset, and third. The third point is mining. Mining. This is mining for the wealth in the name of the Lord. Uh, I don't know if you realize this, but there are over 300 names of God in the Bible. Over 300 names of God in the Bible. Um, out of those names, and by the way, God says when you bless somebody, in this way you place my name upon them. But I'm not sure if you know this, but that within those 300 names of God that are in the Bible, there are seven that are called His redemptive names. And every one of them begins with the name Jehovah. Jehovah. But what you might not know is that Jehovah is not ever found in the Bible, really. In fact, do you know that God's name is never even spelled out all the way in the Bible? Did you know that? When it would come time for the scribes to write the Bible, to copy the Bible, to take a book of the Bible like Genesis or Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, go right through. When they would actually copy it so that it could actually be read aloud to the people, every time they would come to the name of God, it was made up of four letters without any vowels. The four letters were Y-H-W-H or J-H-V-H, depending upon whether you're Latin or not. But basically, those four letters with no vowels, just vowel pointers that to this day, no one actually knows what those vowel pointers mean. Those four letters are called the Tetragrammaton of God. Tetra, four. Tetragrammaton of God. Four letters. So every time they would come to YHWH, do you know what they would do? They would take that quill pen that they were used, they would throw it away, and they would go and wash their hands. They took the name of God so seriously. So they would write YHWH, throw the pen away, go wash their hands, come back, and it might be in the same verse another time, and they would do the same thing again. But when we see YHWH or JHVH, we think of the name either Yahweh or Jehovah, which is the name that God gave Moses when up until that point he had been just known generally as God. But when Moses comes and says, you're sending me to rescue the people, who should I say sent me? God says to him, tell them I am. But when he says the word I am, that's those four letters, Y-H-W-H. Tell them Yahweh or Jehovah sent you. 
Jehovah became a name. In fact, in your Bible, some of your Bibles might even have this, that every time you see the word Lord, it is capitalized and it's bold print. That's the tetragrammaton of God. It's those four letters. Jehovah God. Yahweh has sent me. It means absolute adequacy and sufficiency in every situation forever. I am all that I need to be. And God says, when you do this, when you bless people, you take my name, Y-H-W-H, so what goes on there, you take my name, the all-sufficient God, and you place it upon people. I am all that I need to be for them. You place my name upon them. But then, what God does all throughout His Word is He takes some other words that are descriptor words and He attaches it to Jehovah or Yahweh. And I want to give you these seven, real quickly, seven redemptive names of God. Maybe you have these already. Maybe you don't. You might want to jot them down. They're good to know. These seven redemptive names of God that you place upon people as you bless them in the name of the Lord. And there will be reason for each of these in a moment, and you'll see. The first is Jehovah Jireh. We get that out of Genesis twenty-two fourteen, And it means God our provider, but it literally is the word for mothering. In fact, if you were to translate it literally, it means God the all-breasted one. The idea, the picture that it does is as a mother nurses her child and is all that that child needs to live. God is that to us. He is the one who provides all that we have need of. Jehovah Jireh. The second one is Jehovah Rhea, or sometimes they say Roy or Rohai. God our shepherd. Psalm 23, 1. The idea is God gives us direction. He guides us in the way that we should go. And there's not a one of us at some point in our life doesn't need guidance, doesn't need some help from God to know, do I do this or do I do that? Which direction? Jehovah Rhea. Third, Jehovah Shalom. God, our peace. Peace in the situation. And in this day and age in which there is so much upheaval, so much uprising within the political realms, within our government, within our nation, Probably one of the best things we could do is to bless people with the name of Jehovah Shalom. God is our peace. We don't have to worry about things because God is in control. Jehovah Shalom. Next, Jehovah Rapha, which is God, our healer. How many of you are in need of a touch of God in your bodies today? I bless you in the name of Jehovah Rapha. May God bring healing to your bodies. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. You bless them by placing God's name and His activity upon them. The next is Jehovah Nisi, which is God our banner or God our victory. You're facing things that are too hard for you, that are too immense, and you call forth the name of God who places His banner of war over us and says nothing is going to be able to keep Him from winning the victory on your behalf. Next is Jehovah Sidkenu. Spelled T-S-I-D-K-E-N-U. Sidkenu. And it means God our righteousness. It's not only that God has imputed righteousness to you in salvation. God's taken your sin and absorbed it into Himself. He became sin for us. 
But the scripture says he took all of Christ's righteousness and placed it on our side of the ledger. It's not only that he did that, but that he helps us to do righteously in our lives at times when we're not able. And then, finally, Jehovah Shammah. God who is here. God who is present in you. And there's not a one of us that doesn't need that at times. Now, this kind of ends our series on the blessing of the Lord. And we're going to start a new series, by the way, if you guys are interested. The next series is going to be on the book of Haggai, which is an amazing Old Testament book. We're going to preach through the whole book. It's two chapters. So it won't take real long. Um, I think. Um, well, I began to outline it for myself uh, yesterday, actually, and I got to eight. And I thought, no, no, no. Let's get it down to three, maybe four. Um, anyways, the way I want to end our series today on the blessing of the Lord is to kind of do an illustration. We've talked about the blessing of the Lord being the hand and the voice of God coming down upon you. But there is another type in the Bible about something that comes down upon you that actually changes the course of your life. And it's called the anointing. The anointing. The anointing comes upon you. In fact, the Scripture says, the anointing breaks the yoke. Isaiah 10.27 says, It shall come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken away from your shoulder, his yoke from your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. What I would like to do today is I want to um, use oil as a touch point, if you would, for the blessing of God coming down upon you. But in the same way that when we talked about the name of the Lord coming upon them in the blessing, there are things about oil that actually have a different message depending upon your area of need. So I've asked different ones to come and help me. So if you would come on forward at this time, line up in order by your numbers. Okay? Come on right up. That was all sent out to you so you know what you are. That would be Dave and Sarah, number one. Cliff and Laura Beth, two. Tom and Carol, three. April and Robin, four. Andy and Kathy, five. And Josh and Stephanie, six. Just line right up across there, spread out just enough so that people can see who you are. And what I'm going to do is uh, I am giving to each one of these a vial of oil that is each one different. Three, four, five, six. And I want to talk to you just for a moment about the oils. Just like I did about the names of the Lord, the oils represent a very specific truth. And I picked these six oils on purpose, wanting to give an opportunity for you to have an anointing that happens. But in the anointing, it's not just a long, lengthy prayer where they're going to pray for you. It won't be like that. It'll be very, very brief and to the point. The idea is each oil represents a certain aspect of God and what he says the anointing does for us. So let me give it to you really quickly. I don't want to take long with it, but I'll start over there. We're going to make our way right across. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay. Um, first, lavender. Lavender was used in the Bible on sheep, which the scripture tells us we are the sheep of his pasture. 
It was used on sheep to help soothe against nicks and cuts that they had, but also for insect bites. And one of the things that God does, which is an amazing gift, is he recognizes that when we live life, there's a lot of little stuff that can actually begin to bite us. They're, they're not like calamities. In fact, sometimes it's easier to shore up our inner soul to deal with a big emergency than it is to deal with all the little stuff. That gets wearing after a while. Lavender was used to actually soothe those bites of the enemy. And in applying it, it would cause the insects, the insect bites, to actually not be able to get on them any longer. It was like a repellent against that. And in time, it actually became known as a healing balm for headaches and an aid in sleep. So down there, Dave and Sarah have lavender. Lavender deals with protection and healing. So um, you're keeping these each in mind because at the end, I'm going to offer you the opportunity to go and be anointed. And when you're anointed, each one will pray a blessing upon you. It won't be long. In fact, as I go through, you might say, well, I'd like this one, that one, and that one. That's fine. We'll just kind of line up and they will pray a quick blessing over each of you. Next, we have spikenard over here with Cliff and Laura Bath, which uh, refers to uh, Mary's anointing of Jesus' feet in the scriptures. It speaks of a precious outpouring. And it's possible that you're here today and that you recognize that your life has been kind of going sideways for a while. You say, I want two things, God. I want to pour out my life before you, but I want your life to be poured out into me. That's the only way I'm going to make it. So they represent precious outpouring. Next, over here with Tom and Carol, we have what's called heavenly, which is a blend of um, kind of flower essences taken out of the Song of Solomon. And it refers to the idea of um, the fragrance of God coming down upon you. And maybe you're here today and you feel like you've been far from God and you just said, I, I just need to reconnect with God. And maybe this fragrance would be part of the touch point of God actually bringing you back. So this one is his fragrance. Next is hyssop here. Hyssop. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, hyssop. Uh, which is a plant recognized for its healing and cleansing properties. And maybe for you, you have stuff in your life, which we all do, every one of us, myself included, have stuff in our life that we fight against. We say, God, I want this thing gone. I, I want it to be better than this. Maybe you have something you say, God, I need cleansing in my life. Maybe it's anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, whatever it is. You say, God, I need cleansing stream flowing through me. So hyssop has to do with cleansing and healing. And then next, Keisha over here with Andy and Kathy, which is cinnamon. It basically speaks to a holy desire, a desire or longing that you have saying, God, I want you to become the entirety of my desire. I want you to be all in all to me. And then finally, at the very end, we have frankincense and myrrh. That's frankincense, not Frankenstein, uh, which we get out of the story of the wise men, obviously. It's a time of new birth and new potential. And maybe for you, you're here today and you say, I feel like I need to have a do-over. I need God to do something fresh in me because some things have kind of uh, gotten behind the scenes that have been chewing away at me and I need a new beginning, a new potential, a new start. So we have in order, protection and healing, precious outpouring, His fragrance, cleansing and healing, holy desire, new birth and new potential. Now, 
what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually pronounce a blessing over you in benediction. And I'm going to invite the worship team, if they could come back up and uh, lead us in some worship, those that are able. Um, here's what I am expecting and hoping. If any of those line up with something that's within your heart, or maybe more than one, I'm going to invite you to come on up, stand. They're going to anoint you with oil, and they're going to pray a prayer of blessing over you. It's not going to be long. Don't come up thinking, well, I'm going to just stand here for about 10 minutes and they pray a prophecy. Don't pick because you think that person will give you a better prophecy because that's not what this is about. It's about them blessing you simply in the name of the Lord, putting God's name upon you reflective in these anointing oils. And as I said, you can go to more than one. Now, it's possible, like me, the strong smells give you headaches. So I avoid like the perfume shops in the mall. I go to the other side. I don't go down that aisle. I mean, I, I get it and I get a headache immediately. Maybe that's the way it is for you. Or maybe you're even allergic to certain oils. I would still recommend that you come up, if you're willing, and allow them to pray blessing over you and just let them know simply, and every one of them knows this, let them simply know you don't want to be anointed with oil. That's okay. The oil is just a touch point. There's no magic in the oil, just like there's no magic in the incantation of the blessing. It's not an incantation. It's a genuine blessing from their heart, from the Lord to you, and in so doing, they place the name of the Lord upon you. So these are all going to be available for you for as long as we need, just to bless you in the name of the Lord. So would you bow your heads? I'm going to pray a blessing over you in benediction. And then I'm going to get out of the way, and these guys are going to bless you. Now, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. These guys are available for you.